This podcast is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College takes great pride in its diversity. For more information, go to ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Bob Long, a longtime radio news director and an advocate for food pantries for the poor. He also is working to find solutions to the student debt crisis facing American college students. Bob, you had an incredibly long and fruitful career at Miami University. And uh, for those people who may not know where Miami University is, it's in Oxford, Ohio, which is located in southwestern Ohio. And one of its recent claims to fame is that it is the alma mater of the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. That's correct. <laughs> uh, you, you were there for 30 years working radio and uh, teaching. You, you did a little bit of everything. Yeah, the first 15 years I was at Miami. Actually, I started in public broadcasting at WKSU in Kent. Kent, yeah. Which absolutely hated students and wanted nothing to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I went to Miami in 1983, the gentleman who ran – WKSU said, are you out of your mind? You're going to have to deal with students. I said, that's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was a wonderful, from 1983 to 98, I was the news director of, of WMUB. And of course, we had a lot of student journalists who went on to great careers, but I loved it because it wasn't like a student-teacher relationship. It was more of a mentoring uh, type of relationship. And it was great to watch how students would develop over a span, span of three or four years as they really developed an interest in, in broadcast news. We uh, uh, likewise use students, and, and uh, they go on to great careers, and you get wedding invitations yes, you later do. on. And, and, <laughs> and you get in trouble if you don't go. <laughs> and birth announcements and, and, and all of this later on. But uh, there is something about uh, – teaching in a mentoring way right. that that uh, it's teaching. Yes. <laughs> and after WMUB stopped using students in 98, that's when I resigned my job, started doing some public relations work for Shared Harvest Food Bank and was going to mostly fo- focus on nonprofit work. But then the university called me up in 2000 and brought me back as a visiting instructor. And I spent the next 15 years pretty much on the classroom side, but still doing some work with students in, in radio or tel- that were interested in radio or television journalism. You, you've had an amazing career, not only in broadcast, but your second iteration, uh, I, I think you probably hit the level that many of us do, and that is you're retiring or about to retire, and your spouse or significant other goes, Oh my God! You're going to be around the house for, <laughs> for yeah. My, mine's worse because are you going to be running to Athens all the time? 
I said, well, I hope to be because I still I have a lot of issues I think that we need to resolve in this country, and I want to do my small part to kind of uh, help with some of the issues that I've I've learned about just from dealing with students over that 30-year period. So you started working with food banks, and I know that's uh, one of your interests. Uh, early on, what were you doing with them? You were promoting them or what? Yeah, Tina Oso, who was the founder of Shared Harvest Food Bank in Fairfield, Ohio, it's one of the major food banks in southwest Ohio, she brought me on because she knew I'd been a journalist. Uh-huh. And she wanted me to help tell stories about poverty because they were spending, you know, with their newsletters, they were spending so much time promoting people who were doing nice things for the poor. Yeah. But they weren't really talking about childhood hunger or senior citizen hunger, which I call kind of the bookends of the poverty problem in this country. And so what I have found, what I found at the last minute was, well, we always talked about that, and those were popular issues for donors, you know, both senior citizen hunger and, and childhood hunger. When people started finding out that there are college students who are hungry, um, I think that's a whole different issue that most Americans are not aware of. Before we get to the college students, which we'll spend some time with, let's go back to to the area southwest ohio and and for people who are not familiar it's it's cincinnati on the river it's dayton about 60 miles north and there are a lot of communities both rural and suburban right. in between it's almost a, a metroplex it is. that goes over yes. into kentucky people identify hunger with um uh, poverty, but they identify it a lot with this region, the Appalachian region, the, the the high percentage of poor people that are in Appalachia. People don't think of it as being a suburban issue or uh, around the fringes of urban areas. It's not just inner city, right? No, and that's the thing I think people find amazing. Mason and Ohio um, which One is a pretty really upscale, affluent, yeah, affluent, area. and yet they have a food pantry, and there's they have a lot of seniors in that community who are getting less than a thousand dollars a year for Social Security, and that's what they're living off of. And you stop and think about trying a thousand dollars a month, I, I should yeah. say. You think about trying to live on a thousand dollars a month, even if you're a senior, especially with medical expenses and things like that. Um, you know, I've, I learned a lot just so, from talking to so seniors. So who are, before we get to the college yeah. students, who are the hungry? The hungry are just about anybody you can imagine. You can go to some rural counties in, in the area because Butler County where Shared Harvest is located. It's sort of half and half. That's kind of half and half. But north of there, you've got some rural counties, Preble County, Dark County, which are right along the Ohio-Indiana border. And there's a lot of people who just, it's kind of like what you have in southeast Ohio. People... There aren't a lot of industries down here where you can make a decent wage. And so what you find is a lot of, especially a lot of single families, single parent families too, who they're working. They just don't make enough money. Maybe I've, I've met people who had a couple of different jobs, uh, but they're still going to a food pantry or they're still getting food stamps because their salary isn't enough to for example, if they got a couple of kids at home, it's not enough to feed everybody. And they're working minimum wage exactly. or, or less, or, right? Yes, right, right. And and 
your particular geographic area has been hard hit over the years as as many industrial areas it was a highly industrial area uh, it was booming World War II and yep. right, and right mm-hmm. after uh, but uh, starting about 15 20 years ago uh, things started drying up and it reached a crisis level has it not yeah, I think in what happened areas. is, and what has happened even in a city like Hamilton, which used to be a city of well over seventy thousand, which is now at least probably down to sixty thousand or or less. But you had paper mills. You had Hamilton used to be called the safe capital of America because Diebold and Mosler Safe Companies were both there. They're gone. <laughs> uh, the paper mills have dried up. They're gone. Uh, AK Steel in Middletown used to be a huge employer in the county not half the workforce today that they had back in, say, the 70s and the and the 80s. So, yeah, you had all these people who, yeah, it was great back then if you wanted to go to high school and then go right from there to the auto plant or the paper mill or the steel plant. You could do that and make a decent living. You can't do that anymore. And so you've got all these kids who grew up in those kind of families. They don't have the options that their parents did. So I think that's part of the problem we have, too, is so many of the younger ones, they're trying to get a college education, but they don't have the support network of a family like mine where going to college became sort of an expectation. This is this is what we do. Well, you, you may be similar to my situation when I grew up uh, around the Dayton, Ohio a- area. Uh, first-generation college students. Uh, parents were parents of the Depression and, right. and and World War II, and by golly, you're going to do better than we did, and uh, you're, you're expected to go to college. So we're saving from day one, yes. <laughs> plus you're working from the time that you can go out and get a job mm-hmm. uh, to, to pay for it, and, and it was expected. And I think that's why when I tell people that I'm really worried about the college loan debt issue, they'll ask me, well, how much debt did you have? And I'm like, none. (laughs) Because back in those days, the state had tremendous support for uh, college education. Tuition was low. Somebody like my father could, even though he didn't have a college education, he could save money and put his kids through school without them having to take out a lot of loan debt. But things have changed so dramatically that that's, for so many families, that's no longer an option. Between what I could earn and what my family saved, right. uh, likewise, I graduated with no debt. Right. Uh, went on to law school, no debt. Now, I worked two and three jobs uh, <laughs> along the way, along and the my, way. Yeah. my parents sacrificed and scrimped, but it, it was doable. Yeah. Now, that's not the case. I mean, I know you've studied this. It, it, put it in perspective for us. Well, I think one thing I was looking at, uh, Ohio has a program, Ohio U has a program for first-gen students, mm-hmm. both faculty and students themselves, so students can see a sign on a faculty member's door that says, I'm a first-generation student. They know they've got somebody they can go talk to. But their website talks about how nearly a third of students at Ohio U are first-generation students. Still. Still. And I, and I was shocked when I heard that. And then I talked to a friend of mine, one of my former WMUB students, who now is at Wright State, and she was telling me the percentage at Wright State near Dayton is about 40%. So you've got um, in, in a lot of universities, public universities around Ohio, 30 to 40% of the kids 
coming in are first-generation college students, which I I was shocked that it was that high. And given the economics, it is very difficult for middle to lower middle, if not impossible, income family to be able to meet all of their monthly expenses and then save for college education. So these young people who may be first-generation don't come with the bankroll. No. No, there's a, there's a great – there's a lot of groups I've found out there through the, webs, through the web, uh, the Project on Student Debt. They do studies on nationwide how many students are, you know, going to school and having to take out some kind of loans. And they found like nearly two-thirds of students going for a four-year degree have some kind of debt, and the average debt is 30000 the average debt. The average debt is 30000 And you stop and think when about When you graduate, when whether you, you have a job or, or not. not. Six months after you graduate, you're paying one way or the other. So you got to get a job doing something. And I think uh, what really kind of got me hooked on this issue, I had a young woman that I knew that I was, I was her advisor back in the early part of the 2000s. She graduated in 2005 with $76,000 in debt. And, you know, like a lot of students, she wasn't sure what that all meant. She had me go to the financial aid office with her because she wanted some help trying to figure out what was going on. I, I, I choked up when I walked out of there thinking you know, she was only a junior at the time. And I, I quickly had figured up in my head she was going to be 76000 in the hole by the time she got out of college. And yet, she had the great attitude that no one can take my degree away. I know I may have to pay a lot of money, but I've got my college degree. I can pursue my dream. But that really opened my eye when I saw that. I thought, my heavens, that's, that's unbelievable. How many decades is she going to be paying off her, her student loans? And we're not talking about professional schools or no. graduate schools. No, we're we talking yep. about undergraduate basic education. Yes, exactly which many of us assume is necessary to get a uh, beyond-minimum-wage job in Exactly. And so, I mean, it's not unusual. I, my last newsletter that I did for Shared Harvest Food Bank in December 2012, uh, Tina Oso, the director, said to me, she goes, so what do you want to do for your last newsletter? I said, we've talked about childhood poverty. We've talked about senior citizen poverty. I said, I want to do something about college students. She said, go do it. <laughs> And it was an eye-opener because Miami University Hamilton is right in my backyard here. Right, right. And just from talking to a handful of students, I found kids with $50,000, $60,000, $40,000, you know, that range. And it was not uncommon to find students who knew that that's what they were going to face the minute they walked out the door. Now, if, if we talk to those same students, or if you talk to those same students, and, and they had credit card debt yes. that high, we would be appalled. Yeah. We, we, we declared a national catastrophe. Yeah. There's another group I found that we'll, we'll talk about in a minute called the College and University Food Bank Alliance. And they did a study last October about how many universities are having to resort to having food pantries or other emergency food programs available to help primarily these first-generation students. And they had some interesting facts that I, that I found because they did a study of about 4,000 students 
in 12 states, and they looked at like 26 different uh, four-year colleges and about eight community colleges, and they found that students who have college loan debt likely also have housing issues, food insecurity issues. They found that many of these are, are really what you would call, I guess, extreme non-traditional students, meaning that they're working either full or part-time trying to go to school. Uh, they're financially independent. They don't have anybody. They don't have any family out there helping them. They're on their own. So they may also have like car loans. They obviously have to have a place to stay. Uh, some of them are raising children. So when you think about who's out there that's, that's really facing severe issues, those are some of the things that when you and I went to college, we didn't see that much, those kinds of situations. Well, and I think then. that generally the population thinks of college students as the 18 to 22-year-old. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't think of the non-traditional and the growing number right. of non-traditional students. And I think one thing that's a problem that universities are concerned about is obviously they want alums who someday will say, hey, I had a great experience at Ohio U or Miami or where, Ohio State, wherever I was, and I want to give back. Well, the problem is, is if, if you've got all these students who are non-traditional, maybe they don't live on campus, they aren't really getting the experience that you and I had of living on campus and, and all the fun things that go with, with that they may not be as tied to that particular university as they once were. So I think that's I think that's a problem too in the long run from a university standpoint is the loyalty factor may not be as strong for some of these folks as as it was in our generation. We'll be back after this message. The Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University is comprised of five schools, each offering a variety of majors and programs for students who want to pursue communication-related careers. From the highly technical information and telecommunication systems to the theoretical communication studies and everything in between, Programs in the college offer students both the fundamentals of communication practice and the tenacity and skills to further advance the field. In addition, the college is home to four centers and institutes that enable students to gain hands-on experience and learn new skills. You can learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. So let me break this down. You're saying that there is hunger on college campuses. Let me tell you a great story. I'll try to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, when I was doing this interview for Shared Harvest, fortunately, I had a couple of young, young people who were working for the food bank doing community outreach work, helping people sign up for basically what you call food stamp, now SNAP benefits. Um, and I said, do you guys know anybody at Miami Hamilton that I could talk to? And they said, you got to talk to this one young lady, and her name was Shannon. So I went and sat down and talked to her, and she told me this story that I'll never forget. She said she was sitting in a classroom next to a young woman, and her stomach growled. And she said, Bob, have you ever heard a stomach growl of someone who just, you know, didn't just miss breakfast, and so therefore they're hungry? She goes, I mean somebody who's truly not had food for a while. And I said, no, I've never heard a growl. She goes, you will never forget a growl. It's an angry kind of sound. And she said she turned to this young lady, 
in the classroom and said, do you need something to eat? And the girl said, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. She just kind of blew her off. At the end of class, Shannon went up and talked to her and said, look, I don't mean to be a pest, but I've been hungry. She goes, when when was the last time you truly had something to eat? And it had been two days for this young woman. So Shannon, who's not a rich person, (laughs) and she's a, a woman who's got a lot of loan debt, she took her down to the cafeteria got her something to eat, then took her to a grocery store because she found out she didn't have any food in her apartment either. So she got her food and and told her, she said, you know, next time, don't be afraid to tell people what your situation is. At any rate, she went to see the dean of students at Miami University Hamilton and said, we got to do something about this. She said, this is insane that we've got people. She said, you can't concentrate in class right. when you're hungry. Right. And so they started a program called I Combat Hunger, where students could get a coupon, hand it discreetly to a woman running the cafeteria, and she would get them a free meal. And it might only be three or four students a day, but, I mean, to think that that's going on (laughs) at at universities in this country is – the country as rich as this country is and as – you know, as the amount of food that we have in this country, to think that there are college students going hungry is – it we, just it shocked me. <laughs> we always have joked over the years about ramen noodles yes. and uh, <laughs> the the mac and the cheap mac and cheese uh, <laughs> uh, kits that you can buy at, at cheap grocery stores. But this is beyond that. Yeah, Laura Bischoff, who works for the Dayton Daily News, I, I've known Laura, and she wrote a story that I just found this week um, from back in March. And uh, what was interesting about her story, it was based on the Ohio Association of Community Action Agencies had done a poverty study that was released in March of 2017, and it was based on 2016. And most of it was statistics about poverty in general. And as you said, Southeast Ohio is top of the list. Is top of the list. But what was stunning about her story and what her focus was that there are seven state-supported universities in Ohio plus four community colleges in Ohio that operate food pantries on their campuses today. Um, Ohio State, Cleveland State, Wright State, Kent State, University of Cincinnati, University of Toledo, University of Akron, and then four community colleges, uh, Cincinnati State and three in, in northern Ohio. And I was just I, I'd been kind of looking for that information because I thought, I bet I knew Wright State had a food pantry, but I didn't know there were seven four-year colleges in Ohio that have food pantries. And I know Ohio U is exploring that right now. Miami University Hamilton Regional Campus is in talks with Shared Harvest Food Bank about having a pantry on their campus. That this, tells you how severe this is. It it, it does, and it Many of the schools that you mentioned are urban exactly. schools mm-hmm. where you have a, a high percentage of commuters right. a, as well as residential mm-hmm. uh, students. But but you're saying it's across the board. Right. When you see a school like Athens, I mean, it, I, I don't know what the commuter percentage here would be. It would be, I would think, be a lot lower because it's such it, a remote. It's like Miami's uh, regular campus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, main it, campus. Exactly. So it's more of, you know, 
when you look at those compared to the urban schools, you can understand why the urban schools probably would have it. Right. What's really shocking is this study also found that Xavier University, which is a private institution in Cincinnati, also has a food pantry uh, on their campus, which that, that surprised me more than anything else. So you're making, uh, your argument, is, if I understand it right, Bob, is that you're making a connection between high student debt and the high cost of higher education with the fact that even before students get to have to pay that debt, they're in, they're encumbering themselves with, with, with future debt but they can't even meet expenses to, right. to live. Right. I even talked to a faculty member at Miami Hamilton, for example, who told me about one student she knew who was homeless, uh, had lost, I don't know if uh, were evicted from an apartment, what happened, but they were basically living out of a car, showering in the gym on campus. Um, I mean, those, that's an extreme example. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, what worries me, not only are you talking about the long-term debt they're going to face, but you're talking about they probably, if they don't have much money, even if they're working, they're probably piling up credit card debt. Uh, they've got car loans. They've got all kinds of other issues. If their car breaks down, now what do you do? Yeah, they probably can't afford to get it fixed. So, um, so you've taken this on sort of as a one-man mission. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing about it? Well, I, when I talked to Ohio University, and, and I had talked to Robin Stock, yeah. and I had told her I wanted to do a scholarship in memory of my parents, uh, a need-based scholarship through the College of Communication. But I also told her, I said, you know, it goes beyond that for me. I said, I don't want to just throw money at a problem. Uh, I want to actually do something about it. And so I raised the issue with her that I'd like to start a project at Ohio University where we can get some talented young people interested in this topic and, and kind of look at how did we get where we are today. I think we do too much, too much in this country of just blaming, well, it's the state's fault or it's the federal government's right, fault or it's, it's the university's it's fault. It's this party or that party. or <laughs> it's, it's a very complicated issue, but if you if you boil it down, I think they could find out very quickly how we got to where we are because this wasn't as big of a problem until we started to get into the 1990s and the early 2000s. That's when, because the state was cutting financial aid to all the public universities, they responded by having to raise tuition Tuitions. and fees. So there's just and, – and, of course, the number of first-gen students yeah. um, is, is also part of the problem um, because they just can't afford – what it and you want those kids to be able to go to school that's that's important so so your potential solution is one to raise the conversation yes and the awareness that this is a silent group of people that exist on every campus everywhere right <laughs> in the country but also, to look at how this can be dealt with, either with food banks or, or other solutions that sort of bubble up from the students themselves to help them help themselves. Is that, do I have it right? Yes, I really think it's important for them because there would be probably some students in, in our initial group that won't have college loan debt. But more than likely, they know somebody 
that does if they aren't affected directly. And I think as they start to see, as they start doing research, that's kind of my idea as, as square one, let them go. I, I know some of the answers, but I'm yeah. not going to give them to yeah. them. <laughs> right. I want them to find out on their own why we are in this predicament. And, you know, the, the interest rates on loans are also a serious problem for when they get out of school. Right. They're not cheap. And, it, you know, when you say, well, I got $50,000 in debt, that's without looking at how much interest do you have on top of that. So I want them to kind of find out about that. Eventually, I think it is one of those things where once they can kind of say to people, here's what we found the problem is, now we need to do something about that. And I think part of that is telling stories of students. I think that's a huge – that's why I picked Ohio University – because it has a great communications programs with so many different facets. Real life stories. Yes, where you could actually sit down and find students, and it's hard to do, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to get permission from the young people that I did in my Shared Harvest Food Bank article sure. last December. You know, is it okay if I tell your story? So I just think it's a great thing where if people started hearing what some of these young people are going through to try to get their college degree – I think it would really be an eye-opener for a lot of adults. It's got to really stick in your craw, so to speak, uh, with the political football that student loans have become. I mean, it, and it's it's both parties. Right. But, but, but people talk about it. They're outraged about it. We hear political speeches about it, and then nothing happens. Right. And I think, you know, that's one of the things. I, I will give Bernie Sanders credit for the fact that he had the courage to really bring the – he was the only presidential candidate in 2016 that really raised that issue and the companion issue of, of the fact that so many people don't make the kind of money that they once did, the, the income stagnation issue, which really adds to this uh, or income inequality problem. You know, but a lot of people are not going to say, well, let's just give students a free ride to college. And not all students need that. The solution is somewhere in the middle. You know, like I say, I didn't have any loan debt. My sister didn't have any loan debt. Our daughter um, had a little bit of loan debt because she went to a private school the first two years of her college career before she opened her eyes and went to Ohio U. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, our son had no loan debt. So for some of us, yeah, maybe that's not an issue, but there are a large it's it's an alarmingly large percentage of students that it is an issue and we need to we need to do something to rein in the debt problem that they're facing right now. So part of your argument is as I understand it Bob though is to harness the research capabilities that are housed at these colleges and universities across the nation. And the brain power, not only of faculty, but of students. And alumni. And alumni. Yeah. And collectively address this problem through research and through fact-based solutions. Right. I, you know, I don't see a political solution anytime soon. Right. And the way I look at it is, okay, well, we'll tell you as politicians what needs to be done. We'll go out and do the, we'll go out and do the, the legwork and find out for you. Uh, and I think there would be a lot, as you said, people know that I find that universally when I, when somebody says, what are you going to do now that you're retired? 
I want to get involved in this issue. Oh, it's a terrible problem, Bob. We need to do something. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go back to their lazy boy and, and pop go, another beer, you, right? <laughs> you go ahead. But it's what, what shocked me is how many people I've talked to who are, for example, in their 40s who are like, I had one guy who's a pizza uh, shop owner, shook my hand and said, Bob, I'm still paying off my college loans, and I've got a kid going to school in a couple of years. I don't know what I'm going to do to put him through school. You know, so I'm hearing stories like that. So people know it's a problem. They're just overwhelmed by the thought of this is too hard to comp- to solve. And I'm like, no, if you find the right people, um, and I really do believe that among students, I think yeah. it's something they could ener- get energized, people like you and I who can do some things about it, but also alums who are in all kinds of realms that graduated, for example, from Ohio U, who could have different ideas about what we need to do on this particular issue. So I just think there's a tremendous potential. It may be a lot of work for me. I don't know. I may be. <laughs> well, that, I may be. I may, it <laughs> looks to me like you're used to it. Yeah, I am, and I don't mind. You know, And I'm one of those people who, if I start on something, I don't like to take no for an answer. And people are like, oh, Bob, this is too much. Well, I don't think so. I've got free time. And I, I, I really feel very strongly about this particular issue. Well, Bob, best of luck to you and uh, hope that uh, you're successful. I hope so, too. I, it's not going to be a overnight issue. It's something that we've already talked about that would probably take a couple of years to really get it off the ground. But I just see the potential of it not only being an Ohio University project, but something that will become of state interest and potentially – national interest that people all over the country will want to to really get into this issue. I think you're looking at this as a pilot project yes. for that could be replicated in other locations. Exactly. Again, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking with us. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. Today, we've been talking with advocate Bob Long, who's attacking the issues of hunger among non-traditional college students and the terrible burdens of student debt. Spectrum is produced by WWB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or at NPR One. We also welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at my address, which is hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Thank you.